Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, Week 13, Waiver Wire Pickups, Injury Report. We'll look ahead to the Monday night football game in terms of props and DraftKings Showdown, plus a recap of last week. And if you out there want to get into a draw for 20 DK dollars, here's what you do. You smash the like button for the episode. You leave your DraftKings handle in the comment section. And I want to know, if you are re-ranking running backs for the rest of the season, well, let's say through Week 16, where would Saquon Barkley fall on that list in PPR scoring? I'm genuinely curious, as someone who owns Saquon Barkley, that I just want him to be good, but he is not good, and it sucks. So where would you rank him the rest of the season? If you're doing a redraft, you had to draft your playoff fantasy football rosters. Well, not playoff, like NFL playoffs, like fantasy playoffs. You know what the fuck I'm talking about. Anyway, that's the draw for 20 DK bucks. And if you want to get into a draw for this week, 60, yeah, 60 DK bucks, Here's what you do. You subscribe to the Pat Mayo Experience audio podcast. You leave a five-star review as you download the episodes that are up there. DraftKings handle, something you like about the show, boom, you'll be in a draw for 60 DK bucks. And do I have a surprise for all of you out there, if I can find it on my sheet here. Here we are, the winners from last week of the DraftKings DK dollars. $20 winners, Pete.Eastman31, Big Merce, Jay Miller Time, Billy Young... Bill Noah, Mets, Nets, Jets. Oh, well, I mean, it's a sad existence, but you won 20 DK bucks. So that's pretty good. Sino Kai, Mur E, Zohar 13, E Dub 1221, Free Drop Billy, Viper WC 21. And the winners of 50 DK dollars. Yes, I said winners because I was going to give out one, but instead I did three. Was allowed to do three. His booziness. 50 DK bucks. Kyle underscore Sawyer, 39, 50 DK bucks. And G Monkey, 187. Winners of 50 DK dollars. Maybe I can get multiple 60 DK dollar winners, but you have to go review the audio podcast for the show, and that's how you get into it. All right? Let's bring in from the Salvetri YouTube channel and at Salvetri DFS on Twitter. It is Salvetri. What's up? What's going on, Pat? How was your weekend? How you doing, man? I'm doing okay. I was able to uh, turn off the Sunday night game. A bit early, I was like, well, I know how this is going to end, and just got to bed early. It was kind of fantastic. Yeah, I, I was going to do similar things. I was doing a little prep for the show in the upcoming week, but I actually played the second half showdown and, and tied for a, a first place on that. But it, it was a smaller prize pool, of course, because they don't have big ones for those things. But it kept me up with a somewhat of a sweat, so it made it through a terrible game. So how, like, how big is like, – I have yet to play one of these first half or second half showdown contests. Do you feel like there's an edge to be had? Yeah, I definitely think there is. I mean, it's it's showdown, but I think there's just it's like a five thousand person field. There might have been a bigger one. I got in like halfway through the halftime. I'm just looking around while prepping. I mean, just trying to do something to stay into that game. Um, but it was a 15k to first prize pool. A couple people tied for first, but they're decent size. But I think the biggest edge is like in that game, the second half. You knew the Packers were going to have at least in theory maybe some softer zones, and a guy like Raheem Mostart was in the winning lineups. And you imagine they're up big, maybe he gets some more runs. So I think that's where some of the edges come. You could see a clearer game script, at least. Yeah, I mean, that was the one thing. I remember talking about Drewby with it before the season started. Then I completely forgot these contests existed. Because I try not to check my lineups, because I usually do so poorly. That I don't want to be like, oh man, I'm losing all my money. This sucks. So I don't like to check in at halftime. Maybe I should. Who was on the lineup? 
Yeah, so the winning lineup was Adams at captain. Uh, it was George Kittle in there. San Fran defense only had three points, but that's all you needed. Uh, most start and Aaron Rodgers and Jamal Williams. Not bad. So, yeah, Jamal Williams, the pass catching back, put him in over Aaron Jones in a script where you expect them to pass the entire time. Makes sense. Yeah, exactly. And then you just get the other side of it. Jimmy G doesn't make a lot of sense when they're up that big. So you can kind of clear out some names a lot easier than obviously when the, before the game starts. Well, if I was able to do that better for the main slate in week 12, I would have been a winner and said I was a loser. But there was a winner of the Pat Mayo Experience Open. And once the link is provided for that, you'll be able to find it in the description of this video and podcast. But I don't have it yet, so it can't be there. Probably best off checking on Tuesday show when I do it with Jake. I usually have it by then. Even last week, I didn't have it by then. Still, it fills every single week, so you should get in early enough. Uh, shout out to... Carson M. Carson M., the winner of the Pat Mayo Experience Open, 203.48 points. You want to try to guess his lineup? Yeah, let's give it a go. Um, I'll start with the running backs. Derrick Henry? Derrick Henry is the flex player in this lineup, so you know that there are three running backs. Uh, Leonard Fournette? Leonard Fournette is one of the running backs, yes. And then let's go for quarterback... Did he have um, Jameis? No, it was Baker at quarterback. Okay, so Landry? Uh, Landry is in this lineup, yes, with his 39.8 DK points. Yeah, crazy. Um, DJ Moore? Uh, No DJ Moore. Zach Ertz? No Zach Ertz. Mike Kosicki at tight end. So it's a a full-on Browns game stack, put it that way. Yeah. Okay. So for, he had the uh, the first career Mike Kosicki touchdown catch in there. That's nice. He, did, um, he also had Beckham and Devonte Parker at receiver, and the oh. the defense was the Broncos, who only scored four points. Very. I mean, that sounds like more of my lineup right there. Played a lot of Broncos deep. Four points was not great. And Devin Singletary was the running back. Wow. Yeah. That's. I think that's back to back weeks. Singletary. Uh, I don't know if he was in the the Pat Mayo Open last week, but he was in the the Millie Maker last week at just low points, but. Yeah, it was a week where there was just not a ton of like value at running back. So if you got anything in that mid range, and that's really where it seemed a lot of running backs went off. But Henry and Fournette, yeah, he did well. So yeah, congrats. What was uh, what was the um, overall score again? Two hundred three, you said. Yeah, two hundred three point four eight. Um, and if anyone was following along with me on Twitter last night and wondering what the hell I was talking about until you saw the results after the fact, Ben Raza, who viewers of the show should know. I mean, he was on last week. He's on most weeks, either talking golf or football. He needed four points from the Dallas defense in the second half, and he would have won a million bucks, Sal. He came second in the Millionaire Maker. Good for 100000 bucks, And I think he won like 215000 overall between them. He won the $100 single entry with that same lineup, but that's rough. Yeah, you just you need Dallas to score a touchdown, so then New England has to pass at some point, and it just never materialized. Yeah, it was. Yeah, congrats to Ben. I saw. I saw the finish. I didn't know that that was the sweat, but I mean that's terrible. It was a. It was a messy game script too. But yeah, you had a, a quarterback who has not been making a ton of mistakes, and then yeah, a ground game. So man, that, that's a crazy sweat to go from. Still a really nice night, but obviously a, a huge difference from the million. Well, here was the biggest thing about it too. So there was one guy behind them who had a chance to pass both of them, and they had Nikhil Harry. So Harry scores the touchdown, obviously, early. Then he almost scores another one in the fourth quarter, and they call him down. So at the end, he's uh, been sitting there because he has the Dallas defense. And if they kick a field goal, it's going to drop him two points, which I think would have dropped him to, like, fifth place from second place. Obviously, they don't kick the field goal. They throw it uh, out of bounds, but the clock doesn't expire. And the guy right behind him, he's, like, 
0.4 points behind him has Randall Cobb. So on that very last play of the game, Randall Cobb cannot touch the ball. It was a pretty sweaty, like 30 seconds there. Yeah, it is. I mean, that's a crazy sweat. I, yeah, I have the lineup up here now. It's, I mean, it's a, it's a solid lineup all the way around. I mean, you, you kind of punt with the Allen Hearns, get the touchdown at the end there, but everything else in it, I mean, it seems like a lineup that you could land on and it, it produced. It's a spot where like you just figure those crazy sweats. If something crazy at the end of the game where you see all the time, the muff punts and whatever can happen in these weather games, but yeah, congrats again to Ben. That's a crazy, crazy night. Yeah, I think that is his biggest of all time, I think. I, I want to say he did win the Thunderdome at the Masters one year, which could have been worth more money, but I, don't, I just any football prize pool just seems so much bigger. Yeah, exactly, especially as the time goes on. like This stuff just continues to grow and just boom. Uh, let's talk about Week 12 before we move on to Week 13, because frankly, when I looked at the waiver wire for Week 12, 13 it's, it's like basically all the exact same names as last week so Dylan really like is there anyone you can think of that actually emerged from nowhere on the waiver wire be like gotta pick that guy maybe Russell Gage if Julio's actually hurt yeah maybe Russell Gage if Julio's hurt nothing else really stands out outside of last week we, we really touched on a lot of them I think that maybe Rashad Penny uh, if you wanted to say that Carson fumbled two more times in that game and it seemed like he got a little bit of a bench uh, fumbles on back-to-back possessions, eighth fumble on the year, seventh and eighth. So I doubt they, they stuck with Penny early on or Carson early on with these fumbling issues, but you're getting closer to the playoffs. I mean, if you're fumbling like pretty much almost once a game at this point, they're going to have to give you a shorter leash. So Rashad Penny's the only one who kind of pops up a little bit because of that issue. But no, it's it's the same thing as last week with the both Scarboroughs, the Jonathan Williams to an extent um, at the running back position. And, and then, yeah, wide receiver kind of everything stays the same. I will say Golden Tate concussion protocol, um sterling shepherd if he's on your waivers would be a better play as he'll move into the slot but that's about it and we've seen that if you have a concussion on the giants you're out a minimum of eight weeks it seems yeah exactly that's the the uh the quota there for them but yeah nothing else really popped up and joku remains as just a guy it's a week that there wasn't any injuries to really top players i guess you can say or at least nothing that we've heard of yet uh, so let's talk about week 12 then a little bit. Maybe we'll talk. We don't probably need to talk about the MVP so much because Lamar hasn't played. Uh, and that would be the, the biggest pendulum swing. If you were to have like a great game or a really disastrous game, it could swing the odds a little bit. We can talk AFC playoff pitcher, maybe a little bit of the NFC. But uh, the one thing I did want to throw out as it pertains to waivers, if you play in, I know Yahoo leagues have this rule, but it could be any custom league that you play in if daryl williams is still available in your league you can get him for free right now without him having to pass waivers and if damian williams is going to miss next week which we don't know yet but let's say he does this prevents you from having to spend like four or five fab bucks on him if you can just go get him right now yeah exactly you should just get ahead of the game and if anything was to happen you can just get it because it's a week where like we said there's really no reason to be burning top priorities maybe if you're in a bind but it's a spot that you can just kind of get ahead of it if things were to pop out I think that that's one spot and then also with some of these wide receivers um, as well um, more so on like a Josh Reynolds if he's still available we'll see what happens with Cooks but you know just every single week it seems three times this year he's had concussion issues with games and returning again today could get a little bit shady uh the other thing too is that the schedule for this week is going to be kind of out of whack for the pat mayo experience so obviously today is going to be the same jake will be on tomorrow 2 15 p.m eastern time on the DraftKings youtube channel go live with that one uh myself cust and jeff are going to be doing two separate shows one 
one for the spread picks of Thanksgiving only, and then another one, which will come out Thursday or Friday, and ditto for DraftKings. I'm going to do a DraftKings-only slate uh, for DraftKings. That's going to either come out Monday night or Tuesday morning, and then I'm going to have a main slate show with Ben Raza, who's going to come on and talk about that sweat uh, and winning you know, over 200K, and that will come out on Thursday or Friday. I don't have all the details worked out as of yet, but those are the shows that will be coming out. No Friday show this week uh, for injuries, but I will be live on Sunday to re- recap everything and i'll be updating the rankings you know so i want to take a day off is is, i mean i didn't get my thanksgiving off i should be able to get your thanksgiving off yeah i I, I didn't even think about that part of it but yeah man i mean take a little bit of a break here enjoy some of the i'm not sure if you're going to be celebrating our thanksgiving but go ahead and enjoy it yeah it's uh it makes a lot of sense makes a lot of sense this week is uh lots of things to prepare for yeah, I mean, listen, I'm just going to go what I do every Thanksgiving, just go to the same place, watch all the games. And it's like the one, because I'm not going to be recording on Friday, it's the one football slate of the year. I actually like, get to have a few beer because I don't drink on Sundays anymore. Because I used to do that, and the column was just like, woo, out, out to lunch. And I was feeling it on Monday mornings. But, you know, this way, with a day off afterwards, I can partake a little bit. It'll be nice. Yeah, I like that. That reminds me when I was in when I was in school, I had the same issue is if you're I mean, if, if you're up at night, there's no way you're getting up for some of those videos in the early morning, or at least it's complete quality drop off. But yeah, I mean, for me, it's going to be um, I get to avoid going to the grandparents, at least this year where there's no Wi Fi and a small TV to watch football. Although I'll be going to uh, my girlfriend's grandparents where there's no Wi Fi and apparently a small TV to watch football. So not much of an upgrade. Okay, so here's what you do. I, I have this all figured out because this happened to me one year. Uh, I actually went to go visit my great grandmother, and she lived in Newfoundland. She's dead now, but you know, at the time she was like 80 something. We had to go visit her before you know we didn't get to see her again. So it was not Thanksgiving. It was over. I think it was like a week 16 or week 17. So I ended up buying like you can buy like remote internet sticks. Like, I mean, you can stream it through your phone now, so that's probably something to look into if you have, like, an unlimited plan. Just tether your internet to whatever devices that you have. And then if you have, like, DirecTV, you can open that app up on your iPad or your computer or whatever and just easily watch it that way. Or even just bring a Chromecast with you and stick it into the back of the TV and project it on. All ways that you can go about it, but you can get, like, the internet stick, plug it into your computer, and then tether everything off that. If you're in dire straits to watch the games, which I know that I would be. I'm guessing you would be, too. Quick tip for anyone out there going to thanksgiving where there's very poor wi-fi yeah exactly that, that's good i there was did not think of some of those the biggest thing i was going to think of was just hope but your ideas are better with the stick that's something i should look into just hope that there's like a a hot spot or something that i can go on to and just pay for like the dollar or the two dollar day pass whatever it might be um unless they inflate it for thanksgiving but yeah i gotta look into all my options i've been putting it off but it's it's quickly coming and i don't want to be just sitting there with my, my hands in my lap although of course you know thanksgiving it'll be fun to talk we we, we need to do some other things as well I mean, I don't know anything about that. I, I just moved away from the family. So I never see them on Thanksgiving anyway. I forget how that goes. Uh, I assume it's really boring after like an hour. Yeah, I mean, in the past, it's like the only time that I would see my grandparents, but it was like for the year. But yeah, it gets boring quick. But the other part of it is like now I'm actually moved away. So I have to endure the expenses of traveling 10 plus hours in a road trip uh, for a three-day stay. So we'll see. I'll give you the update next week on how this whole fiasco goes. Well, now is a good time to change your cell phone plan. See how many gigs that you can get. Like, if you can get on the unlimited plan and make sure that the quality of the bitrate doesn't drop off, you can actually just stick that in the middle of the room and tether, like, four devices off of it. Or just plug it into the one that you want, open up a split screen on the go, and you can at least watch Red Zone and the game of your choice at once. I I mean, you can just watch the one game at once right now, I suppose, if it's on Thanksgiving. So you can just do that off the one device. I, I Again, I highly recommend it. Just make sure you don't get caught with, like, overage charges. 
Yeah, I got the unlimited plan right now. So that's always the fallback option on the phone or laptop to go to. Yeah, just do it on the laptop. Do you like what service do you use to watch football? Like, do you have DirecTV? No, so yeah, so right now I have like that DirecTV, um, just like the, the Sunday ticket. So it's almost on like a bit of a delay uh, on all their feeds that they give you. But yeah, that, that's what I use right now on, on the Sundays. And then if any of those games are blacked out or anything, I just find some sort of stream. Yeah, so if you go on DirecTV, I mean, I'm sure they have an app. It probably works better through the app, to be perfectly honest with you. Yeah, that, that's what they, I've been using it like on a, a Fire Stick. So they have an app on that. I imagine they have it on something as well. So yeah, I think, I think we're working through this. This is good. I, I needed to talk this out because it's easier uh, than to just think in my head and put it off. So I think we got a plan now and I feel a lot better about Thanksgiving. Yeah, so you, you don't need to go on Reddit boards. You can just come on the show and then we'll talk through it. And maybe if helpful people can put in their best ways of how to deal with lack of internet in the comment section and we'll be good to go. We create our own Reddit boards here. Exactly. I think that there's at least going to be some listeners that were stressing out their probably their Thursday and Friday plans, thinking about how they were going to talk to their family because they didn't have Wi-Fi. But uh, we got you. We, we just solved the entire problem, I think. Well, it's that or everyone has tuned out already because that was the Pat Mayo Experience TechCast. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, more about the recap from last week. Uh, did you get into this Patrick Laird stuff at all like throughout the weekend? I mean, I saw, I saw where it originated. I saw everything that happened with it. But, I mean, no participation in it other than seeing it as very funny and how far it got. Very funny. Do, do we have a number on what he was owned in, like, the Millionaire Maker app? Because if it was above 0%, that is shocking. No, I don't know the exact number right now, but I can easily pull that up and just download the file in, like, two seconds. So, yeah, I, I'll pull that one up. But I know that it was at least rising, which is, which is great. Um, and I saw that he was following dfs twitter uh so that's also funny i thought maybe that would give him some more motivation but i guess not oh i didn't see that T tell me about that yeah so he he, he followed pete and um and davis I think, yeah in davis he followed both of them and nothing came from it i was checking his patrick layards or layards mentions uh but nothing came from it other than the fact that uh he just knows that he was trending for some odd reason and he doubled his follower count in a matter of two days so they got him uh, a little bit of a boost in terms of popularity, but what do you have? Like three carries, 20 yards, and a, a big special teams run? Uh, yes, as Cust pointed out to me, because Cust was on this show yesterday morning. Cust, uh, Cust wasn't in on the joke that no one was actually playing this guy, that he thought he was a good play. So we asked him <laughs> to project out what he thought the Patrick Laird stat line was going to be, and he told us 12 carries for 63 yards and eight catches for 70 yards and a touchdown. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he had the... Uh... That, that's funny. So you had no idea about the joke. Yeah, I saw that he had the um, a couple of catches the week before. And yeah, I mean, if there was ever a week to just get away from Kalen Balaj, it's been every single week. So I guess there was some chance at it. I'm trying to pull up his ownership right now uh, in the Millie Maker. I have the sheet downloaded. I'm just trying to scan the name for it. But yeah, I don't I I saw it all happening. I, I figured that it would just become more of a thing as time went on. So, OK, here we go. Um, yeah, it seems to be above one percent owned. He is one point five, three percent owned in the Millie Maker. That's shocking. Shocking. news. <laughs> He would have been less than 1%, so DFS Twitter spikes it. Well, what ended up being, like, the, the proper strategy this week, it appears like it was to fade McCaffrey and Kamara and just pay for that, like, third level down, the Fournette-Derrick Henry tier of running back. Uh, obviously, I did not do that. Derrick Henry I had, but he was always with McCaffrey, and he was always with Kamara, and then I would try to pay down somewhere else. Fortunately, Russell Gage was one of them. Fortunately, Alan Hearns was one of them, but all like the cheap tight ends outside of Gesicki were just complete flameouts. 
Yeah, exactly. I think everything, it was just, you had Gesicki or you just paid up all the way for Ertz, but everything was just cheap. Like the running back tier, you didn't have to pay up for the top end because yeah, like you said, the mid range went off, but also like wide receivers, you had DJ Moore after Lattimore was ruled out right before lock uh, during the inactives, he became a better play. You had Landry going off in that mid K range of the six K range. So uh, James Washington was in the winning Millie maker lineup. Yeah. It was a week where like just a lot of value altogether. It was, it was a balanced build approach when everybody was on Atlanta and Tampa Bay for good reasons, but those top end receivers, um, Go- uh, Goblin's not even needed in the winning lineup just because of the price point on him. Yeah. It just seemed balanced is the way that the Millie maker at least ended up. It seems similar for some of Raza's lineups. So yeah, it was interesting in the Millie maker winning lineup. There was five players rostered at 5% or below ownership, which is I think one of the first times I've seen that this year, um, having that much different of a lineup. What was the, who were like, they were all good players though. Like one of them was like Leonard Fournette, wasn't it? So yeah, so no, no Leonard Fournette in this, but it was a Brown stack um, with Nick Chubb and no running back option. It was just Nick Chubb, uh, Jarvis Landry and Baker. You had your running backs with Derrick Henry and then Chubb. And then you had Bo Scarborough who only got 8.8 points. Um, he was only at 15%, so decent on that, but he was just cheap enough to be in a winning lineup. Yeah, DJ Moore, James Washington, Seahawks D, and then Jared Cook ends up scoring. He actually had a nice game, Jared Cook. 21.9 points, came on late. He was 3% on. Trying to think. The best pay-down running back option I found that I played was Benny Snell. Like, that one figured to work out. Just that game was just so horrendous. Yeah, that, that, that was. I mean, looking back on it, and then even in hindsight, once it was just ruled that he was going to be in, that was probably just the cheapest, best, like viable option to see 10 plus carries. He ends up just going out for 20 plus. And then I thought in the 4K range, like the only other thing that was viable, you had the Balazs and Brian Hill guys there, not really willing to touch that, but both Scarbo made sense at least. He got the work um, and he was able to sneak through in a winning lineup just because there was not a lot of value. So if you got on any of it that scored anything, you were at least viable. And that's what happened here for this guy. Yeah. Um, and you probably didn't even, and in retrospect, if you were trying to rebuild your lineups, you probably would just use some receiver in that spot and not go to the running back because I mean, there was three tight ends. I think that had more than 52 yards receiving this week and like the low end running backs all sucked. Running backs in general kind of sucked. Yeah, they all sucked. And it was like the mid, the mid range too. You just had a couple of 5k guys who seemed interesting. James white just disappears in a game that the weather's poor and he does nothing. Uh, Philip Lindsay in that game, just the Denver Broncos offense in, in general, was just awful and abysmal. So Sanders, once again, disappoints people. There really wasn't much going on, anything below 6K, really. So if you got eight points like you did out of Bo Scarbo, it was viable. So, yeah, it was just a balanced build where some guys in the 6 and 7K range popped off for 30-plus points, and uh, some people were able to just get them into the right lineups. I think, I think these lineups are definitely viable. I, I don't have how much salary was spent here, but there's no, like, eye-popping players that stood out uh, outside of Chubb at 8,100. And Chubb at 8,100 was the actual play. I mean, I guess you could have got away with Fournette and Derrick Henry in your lineup at a cheaper price uh, together instead of playing Nick Chubb. But it, you know, it worked out if you ended up playing him. It just seems strange that you did a that people did a Browns onslaught with Baker and also had Nick Chubb into it. I know that he ended up with, I think, I think it was over 60 yards receiving, but normally he's not the one who gets the work in the passing game. Yeah, he, he he did better than Hunt in the receiving game. He had an extra reception and like double or triple the yardage. Um, and, and we saw, we, we talked last week that Chubb was running the exact same amount of routes pretty much a little bit less than Hunt. He just wasn't being schemed for on those plays, but he was at least still viable to catch passes. I just didn't think he was going to be able to and, and really Hunt just kind of disappear like he did this past week. And he was just able to put it all together. And a really good matchup was just the price point kind of kept the ownership down. And the Millie Maker Chubb was 12.7% owned. So yeah, this lineup in general, I mean, below, there's only one player in his entire lineup. This is actually fascinating, above 15% owned. And who was it? Bo Scarborough? It was Derrick Henry at 306 Yeah. 
Yeah, and norm, normally, like, chalk running backs, and when I went through this with Ricky on Friday, like, chalk running backs shouldn't scare you too much at the high end. It's not like you couldn't have won if you played McCaffrey or Kamara, because McCaffrey scored the most points of anyone, I think, at running back. It was him, Henry, or Chubb, or Fournette. Uh, but even Kamara kind of got there at the end, not what you needed him to do, but he still scored 20 DraftKings points. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like he just had a mediocre day, fine for all your cash lineups. You have Murray getting the the big touchdown to open up the game, it, and he was a fair price point. Like he, yeah, he, if he scores uh, another touchdown in there, it's a, it's a really good game for him. But when guys just go off for thirty five plus, you had three running backs go for four running backs go for forty plus. If a guy only scores twenty for you, it's really hard for him to be at all a priority. Now you were on Godwin yesterday, weren't you? Yeah. So yesterday I had I had more Godwin. It, every week it's so close. So. Um, I think maybe just the price, it was only a hundred dollar difference, but I ended up having in like a final just um builds 27% Godwin to like 20% Mike Evans. So I was on both of them, but just ended up getting a little bit more Godwin. Do you have any idea of how to pick between these two guys every single week? No, I I think it's just like look, like a football season in general is a really small sample. Like we're talking about 10 games here. So I think if you played these games out a hundred times, it would start to balance out a little bit more as to like can both have nice games together. Like Goblin's second touchdown, if you saw it, it's in the end zone and it just deflects off the defender's hands. And it, just, it was a great, it was a great grab. Yeah, it was a great grab, but it's just something that you don't expect to happen. And then the first one, he splits the defenders for just a, a huge touchdown run. He still has the same amount of targets and opportunities as Evans this past week. One just happened to go for two touchdowns and a 70 yard, uh, 70 yard on one of them. I, I have really no idea how to pick between them outside of like looking at individual matchups. Isaiah Oliver on the outside was playing a lot better over the last five weeks after just starting the year off terrible. So that just gave me a little bit more interest in Godwin, but it wasn't, wasn't anything major. And I think just him being a hundred dollars cheaper when you just, just run through optimizers and stuff, it probably helped him get into a couple of more. So one of the big things that you can really leverage to your advantage throughout the course of the season is adapting. I mean, coaches have to do it at halftime, quarter to quarter, play to play. But as fantasy players, as betters, certain things change as the course of the season goes along. Like all of a sudden, Philadelphia's defense seems like it's good again. And it has not been that way. Like it's like Atlanta's defense, uh, at least for two weeks, uh, they were able to rush the passer and he, they still like provided generated turnovers against Jameis because everyone does, but Jameis can also light you up like we saw. Um, but like Atlanta's defense and Philly defense are two examples that it seemingly have just improved out of nowhere coming off of bye weeks. Like they got it together. They got healthy at the right time. And you probably don't want to like pick on them every single week. They're not a layup defense anymore are there any other teams like that that you've noticed like maybe even offensively like this team just can't run anymore like we, we know the bears suck but like it shouldn't be that surprising that they're not good on offense yeah i think the eagles are the biggest one like you pointed out when they got Jalen mills back like six weeks ago after missing all of last year it really just helped the secondary darby got healthier avante maddox so yeah, I mean, finally they got more of a pass rush, and when you pair that with their defensive line for stopping the run, it, it all came together for them in their secondary over the last month, and this isn't even including last week because I haven't looked at it yet, but they're top 10 over the last month and the 19th ranked on the year, and earlier in the year you were just picking on the Eagles. So that is definitely the one that, that absolutely stands out the most. I think Detroit, their run defense is more improved than people were picking on them. I, I remember the David Montgomery week two or three weeks ago. He seemed like a slam dunk play. I thought he was, um, but they ended up getting their whole defensive line back. Mike Daniels was the big one, one of the better – run stoppers in the league and he got healthier and more guys in that uh, offensive line did too. snacks Harrison was banged up he's healthier so that's another one that stands out just off the top outside of the Eagles secondary at least on the defensive side of the ball um, I think that there's big worries and we saw a little bit last night uh, for the Packers whether it's offensive line issues with injuries but just the the kind of holes of their wide receiver court behind Devontae Adams 
are really showing. Now they faced a stout secondary yesterday, so it was to the extreme, but it got pushed to the extreme and it wasn't even like a, a, a professional offense out there when you when you take out Devontae Adams. It was a little bit concerning out of their receiving course. Those are the ones that kind of stand out the most for me. Do you ever watch games and then look at the score afterwards or see the conclusion and be like, I don't know how that happened because that's how I feel about Washington winning yesterday. <laughs> yeah, well, I think that watching that game, I had similar thoughts as well. And the end of that game, did you see what happened with Dwayne Haskins? When he was taking selfies on the sidelines and Case Keenum had to come in? Yes, I loved it. I thought it was the best. Yeah, I thought it was fantastic. Like, he was just all in his emotions. They had to put Case Keenum into, if anybody didn't see it, take the final kneel down. Case Keenum's stat line was one rush for negative one yards because he need the final um, finishing of the game to close it out. Uh, yeah, Dwayne Haskins was on the side taking selfies. Uh, but, yeah, it was just – it was a gross game. Like, Haskins gets the win there and, like, surely be pumped about it. But I've – I watched that game through. I had a couple of people in it, sadly. But watched that game through and – like, I haven't seen somebody oversail and just throw so many players. It was very Mitch Trubisky-like from a couple weeks back, but he, it, it was gross. The game in general was really bad. Um, but, yeah, I don't know how they end up winning that game either. It's just two really bad performances. Driscoll finally looked bad after two pretty solid weeks. Yeah, Driscoll looked bad. He threw the three picks. I mean, that obviously, that's how, one of the reasons. You throw three picks, Scarborough fumbles once, and you return a punt for a touchdown. And then, then you can start piecing together uh, how Washington ends up winning this game. They also sacked Driscoll six times. But one of the sneaky things, like Driscoll had probably the worst game that he's going to have all year. Funny, it came against the Redskins. But he still threw for 207 and a touchdown, which is great. And he rushed for 63 again. Like, that's a touchdown and a half on the ground in terms of fantasy scoring. Yeah, I think he has now what, like in three starts, almost 150 rushing yards. So, yeah, it's giving you upside. And we're going to get to potentially roster Driscoll on uh, Thanksgiving slates. Oh, I mean, if there's one thing that I've learned about Thanksgiving slates is that you just want to stack the very first game and then hope that it shoots out. And then you can pivot on all the chalk afterwards that everyone's yeah. catching up to you the whole time. Yeah, it's definitely a good approach. And at the very least, at least you can share with your family that you're winning a million dollars or whatever the top prize pool is going to be at like. 2.30 and then just kind of everybody will forget about it later on. Oh, yeah. Don't don't be. I'm never scared to like be winning the wishbone, not winning the wishbone, be like top 10 in the wishbone after like 20 minutes and be like, you know what? I think this is going to be the week and then I don't cash at all. <laughs> yeah, I remember doing that. I think it was like, uh, what was the running back's name? A pass catching running back. He got cut this earlier this season. Theo Riddick. The Theo Riddick. Yes. Like yeah. two or three years ago, he had two touchdowns in the first half. And I think he was at like five, six percent owned or something in one of the big contests. And I remember turning to my dad and being like, I think this is the day. And then just all falls apart, of course. I, I think that was the same year that I actually like, I ended up coming inside the top 50 of the giant one. Uh, it was that year, though, the Theo Riddick year. Yeah, I think that we just have to lock in both Scarborough. You have the little Garrett Blunt two touchdown. No, 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 no. You, you have to find like the, the generic loser that like it's J.D. McKissick this year. It has to be. JD McKissick. It has to be because yeah, last year you had everybody off of the Garrett Blunt goes out, scores 100 plus and, and two touchdowns. Yeah, the Theo Riddick year, the, the year before. Yeah, you're probably going to get more ownership on Scarborough. So pivoting to the, the Ty Johnsons and the, the J.D. McKissicks might be the move there for what that's probably going to be. That is the noon game, I think, right? 1230. Yeah, it's the Chicago game. I mean, the move might just be play David Montgomery because now we're going to hear throughout the course of the week that the Lions run defenses improved. Anyone who has played David Montgomery this year outside of one week thinks that he sucks because he does. So that means he's going to score five touchdowns this week. <laughs> 
Yeah, there was there was a guy last year on the Bears who like wasn't even I don't even know if he was in the uh, the player book. Oh, the draft. Uh, so it was something Sonora, Harold Mid Miz Mizell Senior or yeah, something Mizell. like that. Mizell C- yeah, Mizell Senior. Yeah. Exactly I, I, I remember watching the game. Like, who the fuck is this guy? Like, I cover this for a living. I don't know who this guy is. <laughs> yeah, I, I had no idea who he was either. And yeah, he caught like an eight yard or like a goal line touchdown catch, and it was like his only reception and only touch of the entire season went for a touchdown on Thanksgiving. And I think he, he ended up being like point one percent owned, so somebody had him. It didn't matter, but. Yeah, that, that's just Thanksgiving. Random, random things are going to happen. They're going to give people a little bit more leash to play uh, since they're out there performing on Thanksgiving, I imagine. Yeah, I, I guarantee you, though, the 0.1% that owned it was probably him. <laughs> His family members at home, actually. <laughs> at, at least someone. Uh, Gary and I tried to bet this on the Sunday morning show, and it happened. Unfortunately, there was no bet available for us. So just be cognizant of this moving forward. If you can find a Jameis Winston rushing prop, bet the over. His past four of his past five games uh, against Tennessee, 53 yards rushing, only eight against Seattle, but 40, 23, and 38 yesterday. He's running more. Instead Instead of trying to force the ball into certain situations, he's just running now. Yeah, he's running and he just has like, like, so based on the way that they run their offenses, he's always just going to have lanes to run through if indeed he can just stay mobile back there. So yeah, he's taking advantage of that a little bit. Yeah, that's one that um, that stands out. You mentioned a couple weeks back, or it might have been last week, Demarius Thomas continuing. He had a touchdown called back this week, but he's just very quietly catching like four or five balls a game out there. So I would keep an eye if those props drop to like two and a half receptions or something. It's or three and a half. It's a nice spot to be at. Yeah, he finally, it was the second time in eight weeks he didn't cover his over in receiving yardage. So uh, Ryan Griffin got there at the end of the game. That's a shout out, Ryan Griffin. I actually, instead of playing like five props and divvying up my money, I played one prop yesterday. I, I bet three things. I bet Steelers to cover. They did not cover. Uh, as I told Davis on the DraftKings show, I bet the over in Tennessee and Jacksonville and Tennessee covered it on their own. That was nice. And I just dumped a bunch of money on Alan Hearns over 2.5 catches. So it, the more I narrow it down in terms of betting, the better I seem to do. So I got to remember that if I start like doing well with that to not be like, I'm going to win all of these bets. I'm going to bet like eight of them. So just remind me not to do that. Yeah. And staying in like those, uh, as much as you can, like the, the player prop streets are just, it seems like the most profitable spot to be. And I think like when we talk about Monday night tonight, I think there's a couple of spots, at least that I'm seeing that better. Nice. Yeah. The only thing that I had yesterday uh, for betting was just San Fran minus three at home. They obviously just annihilate the Packers, but yeah, it was just a spot where this, this Packers team, I think they're a lot worse than they've been kind of showing so far. And yeah, second time traveling to the West coast and second time getting obliterated. I really thought Green Bay was going to win. What do I know? I know nothing. Yeah, the, the, the main issues that I saw there was like their wide receivers, George Kittle. I think the Packers, um, they are the worst team defending tight ends, and they've just faced like all the elite ones this year. If you go back and look at it, they face like every really good tight end, but they just can't cover tight ends. Um, and then the other big one was just the secondary, like how good the San Fran secondary is against like it's just Devontae Adams. You can let him catch seven, eight balls underneath. But after that, there's really nobody to take a top off. Um, MVS, Alan Lazard, John Wilson, they all combined for like a total of five catches for like 10 or 12 yards last night. It was just terrible. Uh, someone in the chat did say Washington should have scored more points. And I guess theoretically that's true because McLaurin should have had two touchdowns. And But Haskins sucks, so you expect him not to complete those passes. Like, he's bad. Yeah, yeah exactly. He, he just overthrows them. Yeah, it's uh, – honestly, yeah, you could say that either way. Like, they ended up getting a couple of turnovers that led to the one was the, the game-winning field goal. So, it can go either way with that. They um, 
two other picks from and a fumble, like you said, from Scarborough, two other picks from Driscoll. So it was just a, an awful game from both sides. But yeah, they, they probably should have more points. You had at the end of the game, the overthrow was like the worst one of the day. No, I, I actually think they they overachieved in terms of scoring points. The fact that they gained positive yardage on any drive like stunned me. Yeah, he had, I think he had what? They had 100 and entering the fourth quarter, they had 111 yards of overall offense. That's just not good. And then obviously they get like 60 yards in the last quarter. It was a, it was a decent um, final drive from Haskins, I would say. He stepped up in the pocket and got a nice first down running, but that was like the best thing he did all day. It was just, it, if he doesn't end up getting that win, and I'm sure people will talk about it this week, it, it's probably, he's going to get another the rest of the season to start. They've already said it, but it, it's just really tough to take any positives away from that game if there's no win there. It's true. I mean, maybe they're trying to, to me, I guess they need to get an extended look at him. It'd be weird to give up on a first round pick after one year, but if they end up with a second overall pick and there's a quarterback there, like you, you got to think about taking them. Yeah. You got to think about taking them. At least maybe that gets confidence up a little bit, but I don't know how much that win is going to propel him from not overthrowing eight receivers a game. So it's just rough. And I mean, personnel around him isn't great, but Terry McLaurin wide open three times in the game overthrown all three times. And it's funny because there was two specific, maybe even three specific examples, uh, just two that really stand out to me from that Seattle and Philly game where exactly the same thing happened. The first one was Wentz missed Miles Sanders on a screen pass by threw it like 10 yards over his head. I don't know what the fuck he was doing, but it was going to be a touchdown. And then Wilson to Jacob Hollister. He would, there was no one around him. And I, I, I joked like it, Wilson must have realized at the last second that he was in a head-to-head game with someone who had Jacob Hollister. He was like, can't do this. Can't have this guy getting points. Like, yeah, there's a guy opening up once again here, like like clockwork on this. But um, <laughs> yeah, there's a. I saw the one with Jacob Hollister. He just overthrows him, and it, honestly, like the way that Wilson performed, he had a pick in that game too. It, it just opens the door now for. We were talking here like four or five weeks ago that Lamar's stats at the end of the year, if he has a winning record on his team, could be the MVP. But just the way that Wilson performed yesterday in a bad weather game, sure, ends up getting the win. But the door is wide open right now for Lamar to go from right there with Wilson in the head-to-head as a two-person um, race. But if Lamar has anything of a good game or what he has been doing, he's just going to just – I imagine he'll become like a minus two or minus 250 favorite to win this thing. Yeah, I, w- I would think so as well. So, um, But if they lose, then Wilson's probably – somehow Wilson, despite not having a good game and winning, is better than Lamar having a good game and losing as the narrative works for MVP. Yeah, I think it I think it then just remains sort of like like a wash for the week almost just because you still have Lamar beating Wilson head to head so they can give that over him. Um and would the records be the same or or they still have two losses to Seattle, right? Yeah. I guess that helps. Yeah, so that definitely helps. I, but I mean, I mean they also play in the stronger conference as well. And the Baltimore beat Seattle head to head that will eventually play into it. But like if Dak had somehow won that game despite not playing well, like all would have been forgiven as it pertained to his MV. Like when you look back at the end of the season, like in the moment, people are like, oh, he didn't play well. He doesn't deserve to be MVP. But when you look back at the end of the year and they're thinking about MVP, it's like, wow, Dak did have a win over New England. And then people just forget about how he played. And the only important part would have been the win. Yeah, yeah, you're definitely right. It like reminds you a little bit of how just college football in general works. But yeah, I think that makes sense. And yeah, it's a shame that they lose like, for that game for New England and Dallas specifically, 
apparently the whole first half, Dak said afterwards he just wasn't feeling comfortable because it was just raining and terrible out there and snowing, and he wasn't wearing a glove. And in the second half, he said he just felt like himself, and he performed like that. So you had Dak just sneaky rising the MVP boards coming into last week, and honestly, probably the most underrated quarterback maybe with Matt Ryan right there in terms of their performance this season, he just ran into just the worst possible spot going into New England and the worst weather conditions against that defense and still almost ends up winning it. So, yeah, it was just a margin of error in terms of uh, Stephon Gilmore having an interception and a, a punt stop. So, yeah, I think that Dak was the guy that kind of bet long on until this past week. They just can't beat top teams, it seems. Is, is Stephon Gilmore the defensive player of the year? Yeah, I, I was saying this before last week. Like, I, I wanted to go back and look at him coming into this week and just see what he's been doing because nothing's been said of him, so he's probably doing fine. But sometimes that's not the case. Uh, we see this year Jalen Ramsey, not a lot's been said since his trade, but he's really not performing that well. But Gilmore's just been locked down. I think he is the defensive player of the year. It's pretty crazy to say, but uh, Nick Bosa is without a doubt the defensive rookie of the year, but he's up there, I would say, what, top three, top five as just defensive player of the year as well as a rookie. Uh, it's pretty fantastic. Yeah, so... Gilmore hasn't given up a catch since week nine now after blanking a Murray Cooper. So that's two straight games. He's pitched a shutout. He gets DeAndre Hopkins this week. If you own DeAndre Hopkins, let's say season-long fantasy, are, would you think about benching him? I wouldn't. I think you have to play him regardless because you could get into a situation where all of a sudden Gilmore is on Will Fuller and they bracket coverage Hopkins and kind of do what San Francisco did to Adams. Be like, you want to catch nine passes for 60 yards, go nuts. Uh, And we'll just shut down everything that goes deep. Like we, you don't know exactly what the Patriots are going to do. So, you know, you can't hundred percent commit to a situation, but I'd be real worried. Yeah, I'd be real worried. I I wouldn't sit him. I think you mentioned Adams too. Uh, I think Hopkins and Adams are similar when it comes to fantasy as they're like the only two guys that I'm not worried about the matchup. You can get worried about the matchup for other guys like Julio and and whoever else in the top end Amari we just saw. Uh, But Hopkins is just, I personally think he's the best receiver in the game. He's just locked into seeing 10 receptions. And the way they're using him this year, outside of his great red zone role, which continues, is um, you're getting passes to the 10 to 15 yard range. And if if they're going to let him have those, then that's fine for fantasy purposes. But yeah, it's a spot you're going to get, in my opinion, like the matchup of the century for, or at least the season, the number one wide receiver versus the number one cornerback in the league. And it's going to be really fun to watch. We've seen this in the past, though. Jalen Ramsey, when he was at his peak, and really, I mean, he's still fine in, in there, but last year, two years back, uh, you've seen Hopkins just working Ramsey um, twice a season. So I'm not too worried about Hopkins, but it's going to be a really fun matchup. Uh, quote from Pete Carroll on Chris Carson's fumbles. Quote, Chris is a guy who's a big part of our team. We'll do everything we can for him. Competition is a beautiful thing and no reason not to get Penny back in there next week. We'll get these guys hammering away. Still think that Carson's going to be okay. <laughs> yeah, I think he's going to be fine. It's just like... At some point, there has to be concerns of, okay, he fumbled four times in the first like four games. We can get that cured by the end of the season. Now you're in the final quarter of the season and he fumbles two more times. Like if this happens in a playoff game and it absolutely ruins your season, everybody's going to look back and say, well, you let the guy who fumbled 10 times this year really fumble it away in the playoffs. So I think there's going to have to be at least some more push for competition. Maybe it gets his ball security a little bit better. I don't know how you can change that. Don't know the logistics behind it, but I would say Carson comes out and starts next week. But if you see one more fumble out of him, I I would imagine he's just going to get the seat again. Yeah, you're living on pens and needles with that one. But I think he has the most rushing yards in the NFL since week four. Like, there's a reason that they keep putting him back in. Yeah, he, it's sneaky. Like, the last since um, the start of last year, he's top five in rushing yards. Like, you don't think of Chris Carson as this type of guy. Last year, he was top five to start the year. I think he might have jumped to number three. I, I looked two weeks ago, and he was number three since the start of last year. So, it's a guy who's going to get the rock like 20 times a game if he holds on to it. That's no matter – what they want to do for two, three years now. This is a team that they have Russell Wilson, but they want to run first. And if they get up at all, they're just going to hammer the rock two or three times per um, set of downs. 
If you want to get into a draw for $20 DK, what you do is you smash the like button for the episode. You leave your DraftKings handle in the comment section. And tell me where you would rank Saquon Barkley in PPR leagues at running back for the rest of the season, weeks 13, 14, 15, and 16. Which running back would he be? Where would he rank for you? And Sal, where would he rank for you? Because you need to tell me it's going to be like number two or I'm going to feel very, very bad. Yeah, definitely not going to be number two, but I think I think we can we can try and work this out. So the last two weeks he's ranked 47th um, in terms of his games. If you go back three, okay, so let's reverse it so we can get a little bit more positive. Three weeks he ranks outside the top 30. You go back for the last four weeks though, he's the top 15. So I mean that's if we go backwards, it's positive for you. But if we do the the more logistic thing there, logical thing, uh, he's going from being a top 15 back over the last month to top 30 to now outside the top 45. So you get the Eagles two more times in the final five weeks if your season-long teams play in week 17. Nah, so, you, so the remaining schedule is Packers, Eagles, Dolphins, Redskins. Yeah. So I, I just need to get to week 15, and I should be okay. Get Dolphins, Redskins, and he should be good. Yeah, I'm going to say that Saquon's still a – for the rest of the season, I'm going to say he's still probably right around a top 15 to top 10 back, if not better. Um, there's only four games left, like you said, and two of those are – three of those are positive matchups. So I'll probably say that Saquon's top – 47 and 30 over the last few weeks if i had to rank it right now i'd still every single week be ranking staquan right around like a top eight running back well the weird thing is like when you look at the snap count it's shocking like he played 97 percent of the snaps against yeah, chicago just, and, and could do nothing it just it, it there's a couple of those guys this week there was two of them there's miles sanders the other one miles sanders played 84 percent of the snaps maybe he's just not good sanders yeah, I, I really don't think that like he is. I don't think he's a complete runner. He's definitely good in the receiving game in terms of like specific routes, though. You can't run a wheel route for a guy like every other play. So, uh, yeah, yeah. if you're just going to carry the ball 10 to 12 times and get nothing and not be elusive, it's tough. So it's funny you mentioned both of those guys coming out of Penn State behind each other. Um, yeah, I mean, Saquon, I think it's just a weird small sample, definitely injury-related, but I, I just don't think Sanders is a good pure runner. I think he's just way better in the receiving game. But even in the receiving game, like, wouldn't you have expected him to do more in this game script, or was, Car- was Carson Wentz just turning the ball over too much to do anything? So, yeah, that's definitely part of it, but you saw last week, too. He only touched the ball four times in the second half. They're, they're just not scheming him in, and that's why I think like there's specific plays in this playbook designed for Sanders, and he's very good at them wheel routes that's like literally it like wheel routes is what you see this guy have huge plays on but anything else like pass protection miles sanders is not good on so he's not going to be um coming kind of slipping anything from there out of the backfield so i think there's just very limited plays that he has upside on in this offense and that they trust him with so that's what i would guess out of it because yeah he's not being used the last two weeks when he's just on the field nonstop. would you let's say again alshon and deshaun jackson are out and nelson aguilar is out do you want any of these philly receivers that isn't named zach Ertz or maybe goddard like do you want a piece of greg ward jr yeah i saw greg ward comes off the practice squad and catches like three first quarter passes but no i don't want any of them like they're running once again um just last year they ran the most two tight end sets 12 personnel they're doing that once again this year but like at record highs not just for the team but for the league in back-to-back weeks goddard and Ertz are on the field 85 percent of the time each so they're the two primary weapons there they both got there in like garbage time this past weekend but yeah i'd be fine getting to goddard in any format and definitely Ertz. Uh, let's talk about the AFC just a little bit, except for the last one thing I want to mention is, are we all foolish for this is the year we gave up on Jarvis Landry in season long and this is the year he's finally good? Yeah, I gave up on him. I, I'm like, I think there's like a video on my my channel, like earlier in the year on players that I think are going to be a little bit overdrafted and he was one of them. So um, <laughs> it was just a spot where you, he survived on volume in the past and now Odell comes, you think the volume goes away. But yeah, Landry's been great and I gave up on him this past week and he played on the outside more like I thought it would happen and it didn't hurt him that much. So. He's just been good. He's just been great. Maybe the revenge narrative got him last week a little bit more. 
Yeah. Oh, the the other thing too was there was a. If I know many people did not watch that Jets and Raiders game, but there was a play in that game that seemed to just. It's funny you can point to certain turning point moments, and when this happens, everything goes wrong. Like Oakland was moving the ball pretty well. They had a third and long at one point, and Carr just hit Tyrell Williams in stride over the middle. It was going to be a catch and run for like. At minimum, 25 yards. If he had made one guy miss, it was a touchdown. Uh, And he just dropped it. Like, hit him in the, like, through the hands, hit him in the chest, hit the ground, drive ends. They punt. Jets come back down and get up 13 to nothing after a touchdown, I think it was, uh, at that point in the game when Oakland could have been winning if that pass was just completed. It's funny that stuff like that can happen. It seemed to send Oakland into a complete tailspin. And now Oakland is back to, what are they, 6-5? and five? So you have Oakland at 6-5, and five, the Colts at 6-5, and five, the Titans at 6-5. and five. The Colts and Titans play each other this week. Uh, the Steelers are 6-5, and five, the Browns are 5-6, and six, the Jets are 4-7, and seven, and the Bills are the front runners right now in the AFC wild card at least they're eight and three the chargers are also four and seven who do you think gets the two wild card spots in the afc yeah so i mean the bills schedule they're just going to pick up like one or two or even more tacky wins so i think the bills are going to solidify a wild card spot there but then after that i mean it's really hard to think that the steelers hold on to this a four-way tie they just have the weird tiebreakers right now they're going to have they just benched mason rudolph it's very rare that you're using your second and third string and benching them and then you're going to make the playoffs with that at this point in the season so Right now, I think it's between probably the Raiders and the Colts. Um, the Titans are there. They're a really nice defense. If I had to just pick one, uh, I'm probably going to go with the Colts. I just trust the head coach a little bit more. I think they have a very disciplined defense overall. Um, and Jacoby Brissett, for at least the most part, they're not relying on him to make big plays. He's just kind of like a glorified game manager right now, but he does make a lot of mistakes. So I'd probably lean on the Colts um, right now. The Raiders' defense is just a big concern for them. Well, the issue is for the Colts, like they could still win that division. Houston can miss the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's another reason to like kind of go around it. I think that Houston's probably going to be in there. We'll see though. Like big games coming up for Houston without a doubt. Well, let's see. The the Browns play the Steelers in the, on the in the early slate of games. If they can beat the Steelers this week, I think that it might be them who makes the playoffs because they get the Bengals twice. So if they beat the Steelers and then they beat the Bengals twice, now all of a sudden they have eight wins and they just need to beat basically one of they would have to win one against the Ravens at home and they've already beaten the Ravens this year on the road or at the Cardinals. You like win one of those games, I think nine wins get you in. Yeah, nine wins get you in. They play the Ravens what week? Is it the second to last week? Yeah, week the second. The, it, it's the second to last week. But the Ravens could be completely like if they if the Ravens somehow lose a game between now and then, and they can't catch despite having the tie break with the Patriots, that the Patriots just kind of win out. They might actually not have anything to play for in Week 16. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was going to say. If they don't have any reason to put Lamar out there, they're probably not going to. It would be a lot better, obviously, if it was Week 17 for them. But yeah, the Browns are probably the one the one sneaky team as well. I think that. All these other teams have just fallen out if you have four wins at this point. But, um, yeah, I, I'm just not a big believer in the Titans, even though the defense. But I think that the Browns just coming back with some of those easier wins, like you said, is big. It's just tough to see. We'll see what it looks like with the Ravens end of the year. I don't know if they can get them once again. Just now you have the Ravens, a totally different secondary at this point, and obviously more reps for Lamar as the season goes on and maybe competing for the number one overall seed at that point. But yeah, the Browns are playing on a, a much it's overall an offense. I have it written down here in the notes for that game. That was the best half of football that Baker Mayfield has probably ever played in his career. Uh, again, it was Miami, but 28 nothing or 28 to three going into the half. Um, every single drive except one, they score a touchdown. They look really good. Yeah. And then as it came out in the third quarter, all of a sudden Miami starts coming back in that game. They got it down to what, 28 17 at one point? Yeah. They went on like a 17 to 17 unanswered points. They score in that game. The Gasecki touchdown. 
um, was the first one that they had. And then Alan Hearns in garbage time gets another one. But yeah, they got it down. They got it down. And then you had coming back the other way. It was just turnovers for Miami at the end of the game kind of messed up with them. Yeah, and tune into the spread pick show this week as Tim gets the Jets into the playoffs. That's always fun when we hear through that. They do have a very easy schedule, but they might just be four wins is going to be tough to come back from. And them winning, especially beating Oakland, is only helping Cleveland at this point because Cleveland has the tie break over them. So if they ended up tied, Cleveland would just get in. Yeah, they have they have to like run. Like they're obviously not eliminated yet, but. They probably have to run the table, get to those nine wins, and then, like you said, have some help everywhere, really a ton of help everywhere else. Yeah, other teams can kind of forge their own destiny here just by winning out or losing once, something like that. Look at the Houston Texans schedule, though. Like, they could win their final five games, but they're alive to lose their final five games, too, which is really weird. They're at home against the Patriots. They're at home against the Broncos, which they should win, but the Broncos can kind of beat anyone, which is weird. Then you're at the Titans, at Tampa Bay, and then at home against the Titans. Like, the Titans can really control a lot here. If they beat if they beat Indy this week, and then they can sweep Houston, the division's theirs. Yeah, I think I think they'll be okay with um, the Broncos. I know the Broncos' defense has been good, and especially the secondary. I think they'll be fine there just because of what we've seen out of this offense. If they don't take any improvements forward, uh, and they might actually put in Drew Locke, so we'll see what that looks like. It's like the perfect time to after Brandon Allen throws for 82 yards, but I think that one should be fine. It's going to be really interesting to see how the Titans overall, just a very opposite team, you will say, a very good, strong defense, defensive line, run-heavy team as to what this Texans team is. So you've yet to see them. Odd that they play two times in the final three weeks. That's going to decide it. I have no idea how these teams would match up. If anything, I would say that the Titans have an advantage all year long to Sean Watson. And there was like a three-game span where the offensive line was playing a little bit better, but now more injuries, and he's just running for his life once again. So if you get that guy any sort of protection, it reminds me of Andrew Luck a couple years back. He's going to be great. He already is great, but he's also going to stay healthy. So, yeah, the matchups between the Titans are definitely what it comes down to. Tampa's always played spoiler late in the season for guy, teams in their own division, but I think that should be a, a pretty fine win um, for the Texans as long as they get some of their safeties back and get a little bit healthier. Yeah, but if they don't, then you're dealing with a team that can't run, so they're not going to run directly into the one thing that you want to do. Houston loves to run on first down, and you can't run on Tampa Bay, and Jameis just go deep every single play. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think yesterday we had the – um, the, the perfect correlator. I think this is it. I think if Jameis throws two interceptions in the game, that's perfect. You want him to throw two interceptions in the game if you're rostering him that day. Nothing more, nothing less, and you get the nice ceiling game out of Jameis. Yeah, and, and even for how they actually perform, like they always get themselves into trouble when they're like, you know what, let's try to run here on fourth down for negative eight yards and not get it and turn the ball over. Like they're better off running eight times a game and throwing it 60. They really are. Yeah, I, no, yeah, I completely agree. With that. I mean, that's how they're built. That's how they've been built for like, two or three years, and as much as uh, Bruce Arians wants to try and get Ronald Jones or whoever it is going, it's just not going to happen. Yeah, so for Indy, their best-case scenario is beat Tennessee this week and then have Tennessee and Houston split with each other in those two games, I think. Yeah, I think having them just win one apiece, just obviously in the same division, move a little bit ahead. Indy, though, uh, I think they have the the tougher matchup out of all of them. I think they just match up the best against some of these teams, like Tampa. I think the secondary for Indy is just it, – it's a very good zone, similar to Buffalo, probably not as good, but it'll just stop some of those bigger plays from the receivers, like you saw Godwin and Evans the past couple of weeks running down the field. Um, but I think it's, it's a tough matchup because they still have the Saints, and, and then that whole – really that whole conference of the Saints, uh, Tampa Bay, and the Panthers will be a tough matchup in really all of them. All right, let's talk about the waiver wire and the injuries for the week. Uh, at running back, no one really got hurt. Jeff Wilson got sick. That happened, but that wasn't really too concerning. Matt Breda missed the game. Damian Williams uh, left the Monday nighter last week with a rib problem. Uh, no 
word yet on whether he not he's going to play. Marlon Max doubtful for next week. Uh, Jordan Howard missed with the stinger again. James Conner missed. Devonta Freeman could be back next week. Chase Edmonds monitor his status coming outside of the bye week. Uh, and how that affects David Johnson. How that affects Kenyon Drake. That entire situation is just going to be a mess. I don't envy anyone having to try to pick between those guys. Uh, Chris Thompson missed week twelve with his turf toe again. So nothing really changes. It sucks. When we were talking together last week, I had Jonathan Williams as my number one pickup, and then progressed by the end of the show i talked myself out of having him as the number one pickup probably should have just stuck with him as the number one pickup because that's where i have him now this week yeah i mean I, I i think i probably assisted in talking out of that but yeah it's he's up there he's like a top two pickup probably yeah number one right there with scarborough the two guys i have at the top of the list but you weren't i wasn't expecting 26 carries of the 35 running back carries i wasn't expecting jordan wilkins to not touch the ball after being ruled active on a short week so we'll see if wilkins actually gets into the mix now maybe a little bit healthier but yeah, it seemed like he's had the opportunity two weeks now, a week and a half with Mac out, and he's performed well. So I don't think they just completely throw him out there. He's still going to see 15 probably carries, I imagine, probably 12 to 15. Yeah, I think he's viable the entire time that Marlon Mack is out. So now it just depends on the timetable for Marlon Mack. And I'm guessing week 14, week 15 for him, maybe longer. It could be the year. It's a hand fracture. Yeah, they try and at first they try and downplay it and said that he'll miss one to two weeks and then they're going to reevaluate it. But everything that I've seen since then is it's just really no timetable on it, which usually means if you haven't heard anything yet, he's probably not playing this weekend and there's a really doubtful chance the weekend after that. Uh, so you can find the waiver wire pickup column up on DraftKingsPlaybook.com. As always, I'll be tweeting it out on my Facebook page. If you hit the description of the podcast or video, you'll find a link to said article up there. The rankings change with new injuries all throughout to the end of Tuesday evening. So Jonathan Williams, number one. Jamal Williams actually fell below the threshold. So he's number two. Bo Scarborough, Daryl Williams, like I mentioned, if you're watching this on a Monday, uh, you play in like a Yahoo League or something like that where you get a free pickup if a player hasn't played. I'd just go pick him up right now. Kalen Balaj, Benny Snell, Darius Geis, Rashad Penny, Adrian Peterson, Quadre Olison. Eventually, Devonta Freeman's going to come back to make these Hills and Olisons and these type of guys irrelevant. I would imagine, at least. Yeah, I would imagine. I think Freeman, I don't know if it was this week that they said just now that he was resuming practice or was expected to resume practice on on Monday today. But yeah, I think he's going to come back. They've already been performing poor. It's just a poor run-blocking scheme and. Uh, banged up offensive line in general so it's gonna mess all that up you have just a messed up Redskins backfield that it's you're at this point there's not a lot of injuries and there haven't been on some of these top running backs for weeks now so you're kind of scraping the bottom of the waivers at running back yeah I think the guys that you mentioned are fine Benny Snell the only concern there is you have James Conner coming back but the other three times James Conner has come back he's gotten re-injured so I think that at least holding on to Benny Snell for a week or two once he comes back, if he if you're already on his team or you just pick him up, uh, I think, or he's already on your team or you pick him up, I think it's fine. But yeah, it's just really the handcuffs at this point. I, I mentioned earlier, Rashad Penny is somebody who stands out probably more so if you own Chris Carson at this point, just due to the fumbling issues. But yeah, it's Jonathan Williams, Bo Scarborough at the top of it for me. Wide receivers, injuries in week 13. You mentioned Golden Tate a little bit earlier in concussion protocol. We'll keep an eye on that. Julio Jones is the one I'm really concerned about. If it's a like a shoulder problem, means he might not go in week 13. Jakeem Grant, uh, he definitely looks like he will not be going with an ankle injury in week 13. He was carted off the field against the Browns. Albert Wilson hurt his ribs in that game. He didn't return. Paul Richardson hurt his hamstring. Uh, Robert Foster, Australian for sex, according to Adam Levitan, 
He finally got his second catch of the season and completely blew out his hamstring on it. So uh, probably not going to see him again for another year. Mervyn Hall left the game for the Lions. Hunter Renfro hurt his ribs, came back, then re-aggravated them again, left against the Jets. They were getting blown out. No word yet on how serious that is. The guys to really pay attention to, Mohamed Sanu didn't play. Tyreek Hill on his hamstring problem. He should be okay uh, going into week 13, but monitor his status. Uh, We'll see about Robert Woods in Monday Night Football. Auden Tate didn't play. Dorsett didn't play. Juju didn't play. Parik Gambul did not play. Deshaun Alshon didn't play. Adam Thielen should be okay with his hamstring coming out of the bye week. He's been off for three weeks now. And A.J. Green. Sal, I think we're starting to see that A.J. Green might not play this year. Yeah, it's it's like... He's just when he's talking to the media, it's he's definitely I don't think he's in a play, but when he's talking to the media, it's more so like, yeah, I'm banged up. I can probably like it seems like if this was a playoff push, you'd be out there. But why do that when your contract's on the line? And for two years straight now, you've been dealing with foot injuries as a wide receiver. So and you also see Ryan Finley just throwing ducks out there nonstop. I don't think you want hospital balls uh, when you're in a contract year. So, yeah, I would sit out if I was him too. Um, pickups. Devontae Parker is still not owned in more than 60 percent of leagues. Doesn't that blow your mind? Yeah, it does. And like every week, there's just sort of like a stigma for me when I see him on DraftKings, his price is coming up. And I'm just like, eh, like there's gonna be a week where this guy doesn't catch eight balls and have close to 100 yards. But Fitzpatrick is just eyeballing this guy. So yeah, if he's still on the waivers, uh, at least worth a rostering and definitely worth a rostering at this point going into the playoffs. He's a, he's a top, one. Yeah, he's a top he's a top 20 player, like he's a top 20 yeah. wide receiver. Like he should be not only should he be owned, you should be playing him every week. So Devonte Parker, Debo at two, Russell Gage is probably the most available of all these guys. And this really hinges on who Julio being hurt, but I have him at number three. Darius Slayton, Cole Beasley, Randall Cobb, James Washington, A.J. Brown, Anthony Miller, Nikhil Harry. Same guys as last week, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, I have every single one of those on here. I imagine Sterling Shepard is too owned, but the yeah. only way that I would want to, yeah, like if, I guess if you have him on your team or if he's there, if you do have no Golden Tate, he'll be moving to the slot, which is just going to be a really nice spot for him overall in that offense. But yeah, it's pretty much the same of everything. You're going to have both those Miami guys injured this week, so that helps Devontae Parker even more, helps probably Alan Hearns, and really behind them if people are trying to wonder. There's not much. There's like Gary Jennings is like the fifth-string wide receiver, guy cut by Seattle. You don't want to be picking that up. Uh, at tight end, the news on Monday morning was that Eric Ebron's been placed on injured reserve. Didn't see that coming, but hey, no more Eric Ebron the rest of the season. Joku didn't play. Evan Ingram didn't play. Rhett Ellison didn't play. World's favorite millennial son, Caden Smith, ended up catching a touchdown. Running a bunch of routes for the Giants as well. So he'd be someone to pay attention to. But I would expect Evan Ingram or Rhett Ellison back this week. Vernon Davis, Delaney Walker, both missed the week, as did Austin Hooper. And Ed Dixon was placed on injured reserve for pickups. I moved Jack Doyle to number one. So I go Doyle, Griffin, Hollister, and Joku fells. But without Ebron, Doyle's kind of the play now. Yeah, he is. And and we've seen this just at points when Ebron will miss or like a couple weeks back, he was just getting sick for a couple of drives, like throwing up in a garbage can. And, and that's a drive that Doyle goes out, catches two balls, has a touchdown on. He just becomes more of a priority. Uh, T.Y. Hilton healthier now, so not as much of a priority. But yeah, when you're looking at this, he's like a legitimate, t- probably top 12 tight end if there's no Ebron out there for the rest of the season, if not top eight. Quarterback streams heading into a week 13. I actually put Sam Darnold in at number one against Cincinnati. I don't love that, though. Cincinnati's been friskier the last two weeks, at least defensively. Nick Foles at home against Tampa Bay. That could be the number one. Then you have Tannehill at Indy. Kyle Allen at home against Washington. Better defense than you'd think. Brissett at home against Tennessee. And then Brandon Allen against the Chargers. Not a great streamers week. Yeah, no, it's yeah, Foles one for me, and then Sam Darnold two, and then it, it really drops off. Um, you have Kyle Allen, like Daniel Jones going up uh, against 
Green Bay, it might seem okay, but that pass rush for Green Bay and the amount that Daniel Jones fumbles, it can just get really ugly, ugly really quick. Uh, and defenses that you can stream this week. I put Philly at number one. A lot of people drop Philly because of the matchup against Seattle. But now they get Miami. So that sounds good. The Jets at Cincinnati. Panthers at home against Washington. Chiefs at home against Oakland. Packers at the Giants. Jags at home against Tampa because Jameis. And then the Lions against Chicago. A lot of people used the Lions last week and got burned against Washington but so it leads me to think this is more of like a DraftKings idea especially on Thanksgiving that no one's going to use the Lions D against Mitch Trubisky when you should probably use any defense against Mitch Trubisky yeah and Trubisky at least in the second half of that game looked a lot better than he has been looking um so yeah if there's any recency bias there I think it's fine to just go right back to the guy who's um right now in terms of like DR and efficiency stats one of the worst in the league in Trubisky yeah echoing some of the things the Eagles stand out I think I like the Packers a little bit more if they're an option um they're right there though if you're facing Miami I think this offense though for Miami has been a lot better and it definitely has with Fitzpatrick kind of getting comfortable uh it's still a fine spot for Philly without a doubt I just think the pass rush and Daniel Jones is I think he has like 12 or 13 fumbles on the year this year there's just a lot of touchdown upside there for the Packers pass rush and it's not like the Giants' defense did poorly fantasy-wise against Trubisky yesterday. So there's yeah. that. Um, let's switch to Monday Night Football. Tonight, we have the Ravens going to the West Coast to play the Rams. The line is now three and a half for the Ravens, plus three and a half for the Rams at home. Everyone always likes a home dog to go to, so maybe the Rams are the play. The public has just been steaming the Baltimore Ravens in this game. On the pick show this week, I took the Ravens at minus three at the time. It's nice to see at least the line is moving along with the money in that game. I am kind of worried. Like, I'm not going to bet the spread in this. There's something about it that just I don't know why the Rams would cover this game, but I have a sneaky feeling that they might somehow. Yeah, I, I lean the, the Ravens, too. It's a weird game overall. Honestly, the stance that I have, and I already have a, a bet in on it, is just the under in the game. Um, it's come down a little bit, but I think 46.5 was the last spot I saw it at. You know Baltimore is going to run the ball like with Lamar's rush attempts at least 35 times, somewhere around there, probably closer to 36, 37. So they're going to run a lot, and you have a really stout secondary for Baltimore. It's been top three over the last six weeks since acquiring Marcus Peters. And, yeah, you have Goff at home, but wide receivers banged up. Robert Woods right now is questionable for tonight, leaning to play. It's just a spot where both teams might be running the ball. When that happens, you see less possessions, 40 uh, offensive plays each, and you just usually get more under games in those situations. Uh, any player props that stuck out to you as something that we can go target? Yeah, I think so. There was two, and, and the one was Mark Ingram I saw, at least on the book I'm looking at right here. I'm pulling it up. He was 12 you, and a half receiving if, if yards. You, if you say over on any Mark Ingram prop, you may never be allowed on the show again. No, you're fine. It's it's good. It's good. I got under 12 and a half receiving pro, like uh, receiving yards for that guy, um, marking him that guy. Uh, it's it's a spot that yeah he he ends up having two receiving touchdowns last year, but for, for only two that he has all season. He's not going to catch the ball. It's just not going to happen that often. I think more times than not, you're going to see more than well more than 50 percent of the time him not have 12 plus receiving yards. So I feel fine uh, getting to that prop. Um, and yeah, that's probably the main one on the board. I saw a couple more. I think that's Todd Gurley overall receiving yards is something that I liked eight or 17 and a half. I like the over on that. Yeah. It's, it's really weird for Todd Gurley, 17 and a half over under receiving yards, but two and a half over under receptions and the over for the two and a half is paying plus plus one twenty. Everyone's smashing the under on that. But if this is a game where they're trailing, presumably you could get more Todd Gurley involved in the passing game. 
Yeah, and I think that the entire secondary has just brutal matchups. Like Marlon Humphrey, Humphrey will be in the slot against Cup. You'll have Marcus Peters, who's been one of the better cornerbacks in the league on the outside against Cooks. If Woods plays, he has to play Jimmy Smith. Like this is a really good secondary, Earl Thomas back there. So there's a good chance you see more dump-offs. The only downside is the Ravens don't have much of a pass rush, so Jared Goff can sit down a little bit more, maybe not have to dump it off. But that's why I like the yardage a little bit more because he can get it on just one or two receptions. But, yeah, I think if I was to lean that two and a half and I was looking at it, I would lean the over there. And then you also get the plus money on it. I don't think it's anywhere near plus money as it should probably be closer to maybe even. Todd Ger- or sorry, Gerald Everett over under 30 and a half receiving yards. Yeah, he's another guy. So it's it's I, I don't have a stance on that all that much because I think it's at a fair point. But yeah, if you're if you're trying to get to the more optimal plays from the Rams for just betting reasons, it's the guys who don't have to face that secondary as much. And you'll have a tougher matchup when he's in the second or the second part of that secondary where Earl Thomas is. But on shorter plays, yeah, Everett will be there. And you're not seeing any routes run by Tyler Higby. He's ran like eight routes over the last three or four games. Yeah, the only other one I was really giving some serious consideration to was Jared Goff under 250 and a half passing yards. Yeah, I think that that's good based on the matchup. I, I Again, I probably don't have a stance on that. I saw the completions for Goff. It was like 21 or 20 and a half. Um, and I actually like the over there just be, if, if you're kind of one of correlating bets in any way, if you are going to be taking those like Gerald Everett and Todd Gurley overs, then that's probably a spot where I would just say, okay, I'm just going to take the over on a guy like Goff and hope it all binks. Yeah, that, that makes actually complete sense. Let's talk about DraftKings Showdown for this contest. The most expensive player on this matchup is Lamar Jackson. If you use him as your captain, Sal, over $20,000, over 40% of your salary cap if you choose to use Lamar Jackson as your captain. But if you're not using Lamar Jackson as your captain, who are you using as your captain? Yeah, so starting with the no Lamars, if you, if you use Lamar as your captain tonight, maybe it works, but you're going to be standing out in Boston outside of the DraftKings headquarters with a cup asking for more DraftKings dollars because you're going to have just nothing left overall. So Lamar Jackson, it's it's tough to want to fade the guy, but if I'm not using him and I'm, I'm probably not going to be using him, I think there's two options that stand out for me. Uh, the one is probably Robert Woods. Again, there's question marks around him, but he has probably the best matchup overall uh, out of all those receivers. And the second okay. one would be Todd Gurley. So if it wasn't Robert Woods, let's say he is inactive for this game, would it then be Josh Reynolds? So, yeah, actually, that's a really good point. I didn't think too much about that. I, I, I think I still prefer Gurley for just more upside over it, but I think it's a it, it becomes a much worse matchup for Reynolds against a guy like Jimmy Smith than just Robert Woods skill set wise. But there'd definitely be overall like utility spot and more interest in the captain spot in Reynolds. But if you had no Woods tonight, I probably lean to get the most Todd Gurley in the captain spot. I have a lot of interest in Jared Goff's price point on DK. It's eighty four hundred. It's just really hard. Lots of times you don't see quarterbacks in the captain spot and then you factor in this matchup. It's just brutal. So he's more of like a utility play. Uh, I'm just thinking right now, if I use Lamar Jackson as my captain, I try to figure out the rest of my team, you might have to play like both defenses and both kickers. But that could be like you play naked Lamar Jackson, hope that he rushes for a bunch uh, and throws to like, I don't know, Ricard or Hayden Hurst or something like that. And those are the jabronis that kept the touchdowns, not the main guys that everyone's using. Or it's just a bunch of stalls, Lamar Jackson rushing yards, and then Tucker and Zerloin field goals or defensive touchdowns, something like that. Yeah, if you're going to use Lamar up there, then it, it kind of benefits you in a little in some way because all those secondary wide receivers are dirt cheap. Like Willie Sneed, the wide receiver two on the team, he's in the 3K range. And then everybody else, Seth Roberts, Miles Boykin, Hayden Hurst, like you said, some of those backup tight ends, they're all like $2,000 or below. So if you were to get them to catch a touchdown or two of them catch a touchdown this week just by chance, then it's definitely going to work out for you. 
uh, yeah, 13,600, the highest price you've seen. But you look at this slate, people are just overpriced everywhere. You have a $10,200 Mark Ingram is just the most ridiculous price in the slate, even more than Lamar's price point. Um, Lamar's might be justifiable, if anything, based on the slate. Mark, in or Mark Andrews is all the way up to 9,200. You have an expensive Todd Gurley. So it's a slate that becomes difficult. Even Cooper Cup in a tough matchup is almost 10K. Like I, I usually say, okay, these, these 12 plus K um, cornerbacks, uh, if they're they're not captain viable and you might have to just fade them overall but the rushing upside he's like i think the only guy on the slate that i think can touch 25 points tonight based on the matchups so yeah he's definitely in play and captain upside is is really hard to get to i probably don't get there and see what else we can do but the slate overall is priced up i don't think you have any players in like the six or seven k range at all outside of robert woods at seven k flat i actually think both defenses should be in play for this matchup i know that there might be a lot of points scored by the ravens but at the same time if this offensive line breaks down uh, aaron donald can do some damage and lamar is going to be running so much that it does leave him susceptible to fumbling to turnovers uh, if that's the case you create short fields a lot of people would try to correlate that with the opposing running back but hey maybe it's just you know both defenses are still solid enough that it just leads to field goals like that would be the way that i would try to correlate it if i was trying to build somewhat of a unique lineup to win a giant gpp yeah, I think that makes sense, especially yeah, correlating with running backs is also something that we've seen work out. Uh, the only so you get a cheaper defense, and I probably lean to the the Rams just because they're cheaper. Obviously, the downsides are like the Ravens can run forty times, and you just don't have a ton of opportunities for interceptions, pick sixes, all that. Uh, the only downside for the the Ravens are they're just a little bit expensive at fifty six hundred, and you do get Goff at home not facing a pass rush, so that's the only way where it's a lot harder to get off to make those mistakes although he has in, in similar spots this year uh, but in those spots you're usually seeing him being pressured and rushed and on the road and here it's just more optimal for the spot that he's in outside of facing just a stout secondary we did speak a little earlier about how defenses have adjusted throughout the course of the year and some that we thought weren't good are getting better i think the ravens do fall into that bucket as well along with the eagles and falcons their pass rush since they've acquired marcus peters and jimmy smith has come back that you're seeing more coverage sacks from them that maybe the pressure isn't dialed up all the way just to get to the quarterback but we know the offensive line is banged up for the rams and the pressure has been better on the baltimore side that i don't hate the ravens defense here yeah i think that's fair and yeah i i think that's one that probably slipped my mind earlier is yeah they're they're a top three secondary since acquiring marcus peters only behind san fran and the patriots like this is a legit defense that they rank around middle of the pack and run stop that they set up perfectly for the playoffs as long as they face teams that aren't probably named the chiefs all right that We'll do it on the Pat Mayo Experience Monday Live. Sal, tell everyone where they can find all of your work this week. What, do, what are you doing for the Thanksgiving slate? You taking time off as well? Yeah, so slightly taking time off. Um, well, I'll have all content out for Thanksgiving on my YouTube channel, Sal Vetri, and then the Sal Vetri show is just the audio version of that. I'm just going to reduce. We've been doing NBA videos every single day, but probably reduce some of those this week, none today. Uh, that's kind of the way of taking it off and lightening the load with the, the Thanksgiving uh, overload of content coming in a little bit. So you can also find me on Twitter at Sal Vetri DFS. But yeah, Thanksgiving content this week, NFL and NBA throughout the week as well. Yeah, you could even do something on Thanksgiving if you just, and sometimes I do this if I'm away or I just need to throw something up knowing it's more difficult to produce content that day. So live tip on air, Sal. You can just do it as an audio version, throw up a thumbnail over it, and like it'll take you 10 minutes to do. You don't have to spend all the time editing it. You just have to export the audio. But you can upload it to the video platforms as well, even if it's 10 minutes. It'll take a it'll take a much shorter time to actually turn around and throw up. So instead of spending like five hours producing a 30-minute show, you could spend like 30 minutes producing a 15-minute show if it's just audio. Yeah, that's actually a really good tip because I wasn't going to do I, I, an NBA video probably on Wednesday just due to like the, the actual production and, and putting some stuff into it. Um, but yeah, if I, if I just do it audio and I don't need to have things as much prepared, I think I can probably crank one out. So that's a good tip. Thank you.
Yeah, of course. Yeah, just throw up the thumbnail and upload it to YouTube so you can just have it in both platforms anyway. And listen, people will just be happy that if they're looking for the content, if they can't see your pretty face, I know it devastates people when you can't see how handsome we are. But I hear that like the talking is the part that they care about. <laughs> yeah, I think I think you're right on that one. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a good tip. I'll take and run with it. But I, I don't know. We should give ourselves some credit. I think some people probably tune in for the faces. Maybe. I, I would hope so. I mean, there'd be no other reason, really. With the quality of picks and analysis that I give out, it's bottom of the barrel. That I assume it's my looks that keep people coming back. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. You can follow Sal on Twitter at Salvetri DFS. Check out the Salvetri YouTube channel for maybe some Wednesday basketball. Who knows? For me, I'm Pat Mayo. You can follow me at the PME, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Like I mentioned, the schedule is a bit different this week. So I'll have this show, which you just watched, obviously. That came out when you watched it. On Tuesday, rankings with Jake. Two separate pick shows this week, one for Thanksgiving, one for the main slate, same as DraftKings, one for Thanksgiving, one for the main slate, so you'll catch them at different times throughout the week. Just keep checking back, and if you want to get into a draw for 20 DK bucks, smash the like button for the episode, leave your DraftKings handle in the comment section, tell me where you would rank Saquon Barkley among running backs in PPR leagues for the next four weeks of the season. If you want to get into a draw for 60, 60 DK dollars, subscribe to the Pat Mayo Experience audio podcast. Download the episodes of the Pat Mayo Experience. Leave a five-star review. DraftKings handle. Something you like about the show, boom. You're in the draw for 60 DK bucks. I might even draw multiple winners of 60 DK bucks. So you might want to get into that, all right? Everything you need to find written-wise up on DKPlaybook.com. You can always find updated in the descriptions of all the new videos and podcasts, all right? I'm Pat Mayo. Good luck in week 13. I'll see you next time. Family experience! Experience!